1865, an Englishman named William Chatterson Dix penned the words to a poem called The Manger Throne. And a few years later, the first three stanzas of that poem were set to the music of an English traditional folk song called Greensleeves that soon became known as a Christmas carol, What Child Is This?, the combination of that poem and that music uh, was first published together in the United Kingdom in 1871 as a new song uh, when it debuted in the prestigious compilation of Christmas music called Christmas Carols Old and New. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but probably that would be the equivalent of hitting the top 100 in iTunes. So it was a kind of a big deal, and that carol has has been sung ever since uh, uh, at Every Christmas uh, uh, ever since in, in the United States, of course, it's come to, uh, uh, to in, in the United Kingdom, it's come to the United States. That word, uh, those words, that tune have been sung. Uh, this year will be the 150th Christmas that we've uh, sung that carol. Um, and, and that question, the title of that song, What Child Is This?, has become an annual reminder of something that, that, that something significant happened uh, on that night in Bethlehem as someone significant lay wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. That child, that world-saving baby, I think he referred to, will, will change the world forever. And so this Advent season, I want us to discover or rediscover what child is this? I mean, I know that you know it's Jesus, okay? We, we could, we, I know, you, you think, well, I could answer that right now and we can get on to other stuff, right? No, I, I, I know that the answer is Jesus. I, I, I know that, that he's the son of God. Uh, he is, uh, he's born to Mary. All, the, all those uh, details of, of how it happened, we rehearse uh, all those every year and, uh, and, and that's great, but I don't know, maybe, it's, maybe it gets a little stale sometimes. Maybe it, maybe it gets a little too familiar Maybe, maybe this year we need to step into the story like it's the first time. And we say, what child is this? And, th- and this morning, I-, I want us to step into that story from the, uh, from the shepherd's point of view. We just saw a, a, a great description, a depiction there of, of what it might have been like for those, those shepherds that night. Uh, ultimately, they were, uh, they were asking that same question, right? Uh, if an angels are announcing his birth uh, to us out here on the hillside in the middle of the night, if he's born uh, in an out-of-the-way manger in an out-of-the-way city of Bethlehem, if we are invited to go see him, I mean, what in the, what child is this? Let's read the actual words, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. They probably sound familiar to you. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now those familiar verses uh, usually get us preachers talking about how poor and lowly and rough around the edges these, these uh, down and out shepherds were, right? Uh, you've, you've probably heard your share of sermons. I've preached my share of those sermons. Shepherds get a bad rap at Christmas. We, 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 we know that. But I just can't bring myself to do, after spending nine weeks in the 23rd Psalm, I just can't bring myself to, uh, to, to, to do that this year uh, to, uh, to, 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 to kind of downplay these, uh, these shepherds. We've been looking at and dwelling on the actions and the attributes of, of uh, what makes a, a shepherd good, right, and, and all the great things that they do. So, so uh, actually, starting with the shepherds, I think, is a, is a great transition, a great step from where we've been into the, uh, the Advent season. Because not only do we need to focus on those shepherds that were there that day, but, but as we ask the question, what child is this, we find that he is a shepherd. In fact, Jesus later described himself as the good shepherd. John 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And, and although I don't know that they knew it at the time, those lowly shepherds that night as they gathered around that manger were looking at one of their own, right? He came to be a shepherd, uh, the good shepherd, the, the greatest shepherd. He came to lay down his life for all of humanity just as a good shepherd wouldn't hesitate to lay down his life for his beloved sheep. And so although all those rough things about shepherds at the time were true, uh, the image of a shepherd is also very rich uh, imagery in, uh, throughout Scripture. Uh, shepherds were certainly on uh, one of the, the lowest rungs of the, the, the society's ladder of the time. Uh, yes, some were known to steal things. Yes, they, uh, they had a distinct odor about them. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't if you're hanging out with sheep all day and all night, right? But, but they also provided a very necessary service and, and the good ones cared immensely for their flocks. So we, we uh, primarily, as we walked through the 23rd Psalm, we, we kind of uh, dealt primarily with the sheep, right? And we saw uh, a little bit, uh, glimpses of how this good shepherd uh, uh, operates with its sheep. But today I, w- I want us to take a closer look at what it really means that this child, uh, this child born in the manger is our good shepherd. Shepherds are mentioned over a hundred times in the Bible. Maybe you, uh, maybe you didn't know that. Now you've learned something today. You can check, check that off your list. Learn something at church. Check. There we go. Uh, uh, shepherding is mentioned as one of the first careers in, in scripture. Genesis chapter four, after Adam and Eve had begun their life together outside the Garden of Eden, uh, we read about their son in Genesis chapter four, verse two. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, otherwise known as a Shepherd, there we go, right? Uh, in, in those uh, biblical days, uh, those who possessed flocks of sheep and other animals that needed shepherding, uh, like goats and cows and oxen and horses and donkeys and camels, uh, they were seen as uh, uh, wealthy and powerful. If you owned a lot of flocks and herds, then uh, that, was, that was the, uh, the, the currency of the day. 
they, they were seen as blessings from God. Uh, Abraham was, uh, uh, was, was seen as, as blessed by God because of everything that he had. Genesis 24, 35, uh, talking of Abraham, the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, camels and donkeys. Uh, Jacob, Abraham's grandson, worked for his uncle for, uh, for years and built up herds for himself as part of his payment. Uh, Genesis 30, 43, in this way, the man, Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous. Uh, and how do we know that? Well, he came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Uh, zipping along through the Old Testament, Job, the, uh, who, uh, who experienced so much pain and loss in his life, uh, yet we see at the end of uh, the book of Job, in the second half of his life, is described as, as one uh, who was blessed and wealthy, mainly because of his flocks and herds, Job 42, 12. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. I'm glad we have cash today instead of all those herds. Jesus, of course, as we've uh, already seen, used the shepherd metaphor most famously in, in John chapter 10. Verses 14 through 16, he says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So the, the owner of the flocks was, was often uh, also the one who was tending the sheep. And, and, uh, and, and so they were the shepherd as well. Like, like we saw Abel and Jacob, they were the owners, but they were also the, the shepherds. And, and at other times, the work of the shepherd was delegated to uh, the children in the family, right? We, we see, uh, see that in, in Scripture. When Jacob first met uh, the love of his life, Rachel, uh, she was tending her father's sheep. And they, uh, she encountered Jacob at the well. And, and, uh, and so the children... Children uh, a lot of times became the shepherds. Of, of course, we've talked already this fall about David who wrote the 23rd Psalm and, and who had been the, the shepherd boy in his family for many years as the youngest child. He was sent off to watch the flocks while everybody else did the important work, so to speak. But, but he learned a lot of, of what he wrote about so poetically in, in, uh, in that Psalm, in the Psalms, in, in, uh, by, by living and tending, uh, tending his father's sheep. So when Jesus was born in that manger in Bethlehem, he was very near the pastures where David had no doubt grazed his father's sheep centuries beforehand. Those, uh, those images that we've walked through over these couple of months in Psalm 23, what David had in mind as he's writing those things, those were the, 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 the hills right outside of Bethlehem, uh, right outside where Jesus was born. The shepherds uh, living out on those, uh, those hills uh, with the sheep, uh, the, the, those who witnessed the angel choir, they're literally keeping watch over their flocks by night in those same fields where David would have done the same so many years before. The savior of the world, the good shepherd, was born in the city of David, Bethlehem, a direct descendant of David, the king, uh, and, and, uh, and, and then he would also become a, a king and this good shepherd. What child is this? He is a shepherd and a king, just like his ancestor, David. 
Now, we've seen that the primary duties of a shepherd are to take care of the, uh, the needs of the sheep, right? Uh, good shepherds anticipate the needs of the flock and provide for them. Uh, whether it's green grass or clean water or protection or, or guidance or healing ointments or even noticing when they've fallen over or wandered off, uh, a good shepherd diligently looks after every need in order to keep his flock healthy and content and satisfied, providing the best life for them possible. So, so what does it mean that this child in the manger is a, is a shepherd? He came to provide for us so that we can be satisfied, so that we can have, have life overflowing, life abundant. This, this baby in the manger came to protect us from threats and dangers and to even pursue us when we, when we stumble and when we wander. A good shepherd would not only protect his sheep from wild animals, but also from thieves who would uh, seek to snatch them away from their home and from the life that, that the shepherd intended for them. Uh, again in John 10, beginning in verse 7, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of, of the sheep. All who come, came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It was the shepherd's primary task to, uh, uh, to give his flock abundant life under his care and protection and direction. And I love the imagery that, that we see peppered through scripture in several places of, of the shepherd leaving the, uh, the flocks that are safe and going after the, 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 the one who has wandered off. We, we see it again in Matthew 18, uh, beginning in verse 12. It says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. What child is this? He's the one who who left all of the riches and comfort of heaven to look for us, the ones who went astray. The Apostle Paul wrote about it as he quoted an old hymn of the church in Philippians chapter 2. I want to read it from the, 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 the message translation today. It, it says, uh, Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Christ Jesus had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave become, and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Shepherds don't cling to privileges and comfort and status when a sheep's life is in the balance. Jesus knew that we needed rescue and redemption And so he came as the good shepherd. 
As, as the prophet Isaiah foretold of Jesus coming in Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Scripture says, and, and I think we resonate with the fact that, that, that we are all sheep, like sheep who've gone astray, and, and we've turned, all of us have turned to our own way. Uh, and, and so the mission of the shepherd, this child uh, born in the manger, the mission of the shepherd is to look for and rescue the ones who are lost. That's what a good shepherd naturally does. Uh, that's that's uh, who this child in the manger would grow to become. He is the one who came to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are alone, those who are exposed and have gone astray. And I know that we've walked through uh, some of this in a lot of detail and we've talked about everything from uh, from uh, God the good shepherd and following him to nasal flies and manure and we've gone all over the place over the last couple of months. But but maybe we need to kind of come back out to this this big picture view as we step into Advent this year. Maybe we need to dwell on the fact that that Jesus stepped out of heaven so that he could be our shepherd to pursue us wherever we've gone astray, to pursue us personally. Jesus, the son of God, loves you and so he stepped out of heaven into the womb of a young virgin. He was born in an animal feed trough. He submitted to all of the limitations of an earthly body. It's, it's such an unlikely scenario. We, I think we take it for granted or we just, we've walked, we rehearse it every year and oh yeah, Jesus born in a manger, uh, let's move on to other things and, and eat some cookies. I, I, Philip Yancey wrote it this way in his book, Disappointment with God. He said, imagine for a moment becoming a baby again, giving up language and muscle coordination and the ability to eat solid food and control your bladder. God as a fetus or or imagine yourself becoming a sea slug. That analogy is probably closer. On that day in Bethlehem, the maker of all a maker of all that is, took form as helpless, dependent, newborn. He didn't cling to his status as God because he saw that we, like sheep, had gone astray and we turned every one of us to our own way. And so he stepped out of heaven into, onto earth to live among us because we need a shepherd. He, he knew that we needed someone to guide us and protect us, someone to lead us home. I, I think as we step into Advent this year, we need to take some time to let him gather us up in his arms as a shepherd with his lambs and carry us close to his chest. We need to have that time, those, those moments, those significant things to say, yeah, I know all this about Christmas and I know all this about God and, and I know all this about all, all of the, the things. And we're gonna walk through all those things and it's, it's great and it's wonderful and it's busy and it's, uh, but we need to pause and we need to say, God, this became this child. What child is this? Well, he's a shepherd, a, a good shepherd who pursues us to the point that he has laid down his life for us in that in that tender moment as we 
as we try to get our minds around the fact that Jesus has done all that for us, there's also kind of a, a mix of metaphors that, that comes into play because not only is Jesus described as the shepherd, he's also described as the lamb. Okay, now how in the world do we get our minds around that, right? we kind of mind blown there. What, what, well, it, it's, it's that concept of Jesus came to lay down his life for the sheep, it, literally to become like them, to, to become the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What child is this? Not only is he the good shepherd, he's also the lamb of God. He is the spotless lamb who bore our sin and shame so that we could be forgiven and set free. As as the good shepherd, he also took our place as a perfect sacrifice. He was crucified for our sin, sacrificed so we could be set free. And in that selfless act, he showed that he is indeed the ultimate shepherd, laying down his life for the sheep. So I guess as we picture ourselves gathering around the manger, as we'll, as we'll do each week, uh, maybe from a different perspective, we gather in with those shepherds this morning and, and, and we look in at the, at the manger and we ask the question, what child is this? We see emphasized once more that he is our good sacrificial shepherd. He came to provide for us and to protect us. He came to pursue us, to, to chase after us which, with his goodness and mercy. He came to lay down his life for us so that we can be forgiven and made whole. Why? Why would a shepherd do that? What, what makes a shepherd good? The answer is, is uh, familiar and yet so deep. And the answer is that, that it's love. This child who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. This child surrounded by stable animals and stable smells and rough and tumble shepherds from the fields. This child born in a manger. This child who would become the ultimate good shepherd and the spotless lamb uh, went through all of that because he loves you. He wants you to have an abundant life. (laughs) Life to the full. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And that's the message that, 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 that then we are called to proclaim, right? As we experience the, the good shepherd, we then become the, the, uh, the voice, the, the, uh, the, the proclaimers of that good news uh, wherever we go. That the, As we say it around here, we live to love people to life, right? Uh, it's, it's what Jesus called Peter to do on the shores of Galilee. Again, another shepherd uh, uh, analogy, a uh, metaphor as, as uh, Jesus uh, was crucified and then he raised from the dead and, and, and then uh, Peter and his buds are out there uh, fishing and, and they see somebody on shore and, and he's cooking a meal and, and, and they're reunited again and, they, and, and then Jesus uh, pulls Peter aside and they're walking down the beach and, and he's restoring him back after he denied him and, and he, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, I, I love you. He said, Three times he said, Peter, do, I mean, do you really love me? Do, do you... And he says, yeah, well, if you really love me, what will prove that you really love me, what, what, what will be the, uh, the, the, the natural outflowing of that love that you have for me is that you will feed my sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? And he has sheep. Uh, he has uh, lambs. Feed my lambs. Uh, be my representation in this world now that I am going back to heaven. And that challenge wasn't just for Peter that day but it's passed on to each one of us. 
just as Jesus is our good shepherd, we are to look after the flock to care for his sheep uh, each and every day. We are to love those around us so much that we can't help but point them to the shepherd of their souls. Just like those shepherds on that first Christmas morning, uh, it says there in Luke 2 that they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. Are you spreading the word concerning what you've experienced in the arms of the good shepherd? As we gather around the manger, what child is this? He's, He's a good shepherd. He provides and he blesses. He protects and he saves. He leads and he guides. He rescues and he redeems. He lays down his life for his sheep. And he calls you to do the same for those around you. To proclaim him. To point people to him. As we have experienced this child as our good shepherd, we want to point others to be in the flock as well. As we, as we step into this Advent season, we, we need to uh, maybe renew our commitment, maybe make our commitment to follow this child, to follow the good shepherd. He, he, he gives abundant life. He provides, he protects, he saves. And this is, this is one very important aspect of who this child in the manger is.